Well, this morning's a family meeting. We're going to have more time, thankfully, to, uh, yeah, send well and celebrate well the Cardwells and pray over them and lots of things. Um, a lot of you have been deep in prayer with us over these last five months, and I have the unique challenge this morning to share vulnerably and personally. It's in my heart this morning. I mean, I never really try to be too polished, but I just am not going to be polished today. I want to be with. Is that okay? I just want to be with family. And uh, I've given up the right long ago or the idea long ago to please everyone. That's just not going to happen. So I'm going to share personally. I want to share God's heart pastorally. I, I hope that he can shepherd us in a way that is good. I want to share some of the prophetic sense of it. Um, and history and, and what the Lord has been talking. And I'm going to try to do some practicals. That is a really difficult blend in about 40 minutes. Grace, grace. Let the Holy Spirit share today and speak to us. I believe we're in a beautiful and incredible moment together. Um, ironically, as God does these kind of things, it's, this is the two year, the week that two years ago we moved in here. So it's been two years this week, and uh, we didn't plan that, obviously. Um, and it's been nine years since the Lord spoke to me in a dream and our core team that he was going to give us this place this week, nine years ago, that I had the dream. And so it seems to be a moment where the Lord is, is saying something going on. It's meaningful. He's got my attention. He, he's a master of timetables, just not the ones I like, usually, and I, I, I've got my focus on him. We as a team have our attention on him. And these two years have been so precious. I've wondered why so quick? Just two, you took seven years to get us here and only two years we've been here. Why? I don't know that I have the answer to that. If someone does in here, please come tell me afterwards. But, but I, I've seen a people change. I've seen us become a family in a way that I had never seen before. I've seen him lift our gaze to a city in a way that he had never done before. I've seen him take something that was our identity and that beautiful dingy building that we loved more than we love a palace. And I've seen him separate us from that as our identity. I've seen here in this place and experienced some of our deepest and most painful trials and we together have experienced some of our most beautiful victories. And I know that these two years are by far wasted. If anything, they're a beautiful waste of worship. They're given to the obedience of the Lord. We came because he said. We paid more money than we wanted to because he said. Because he had spoken. And I never want to do anything different than that. Because he has spoken. Because he has led us. And I don't understand all of his ways, but I trust him. But it's two years right now. In August, we were not expecting this, but a, a father in the city drove across the city and he said he had canceled two meetings. He's a really significant leader in the city. He said it was very unorthodox for him, but he was coming and he needed to share a word. And I knew this guy, he doesn't throw that around lightly. And he canceled his appointments, drove 30, 40 minutes across the city. He had 15 minutes with me, he said. I'm like, what could this be? 
took him into the prayer space because I thought this is where I want to be if, you're gonna, if I'm going to get this kind of whatever it is. And he said, I have a word from the Lord. And he began to cry. Just, I was like, man, what is this? He said, God is going to make you a new wineskin. And people aren't going to understand. And, and he said, no matter what happens, I'm going to stand with you. And he's crying. And I'm like, what is going on? And he said, he's making you a new wineskin, not for no reason, but he wants to pour new wine into you. And he said, there's a song that I can't get away with and he, get away from. And he just cried and he put his hands on my shoulders. I sat in a chair and I'm, I'm not feeling anything, but like, what is happening? And he just cried over me as the song New Wine played by Hillsong. It's been, it become a song in the season and significant, but I wondered, what is going on? It was a month later that the Father started to speak to us about surrender, holy surrender, full surrender. And I had no idea what that meant. I didn't, the core team didn't know what that meant. But we had this kind of phrase in our heart, whatever you say, wherever you go, Lamb of God, we will follow. I even started singing it out in prayer meetings. Whatever you say, wherever you go, Lamb of God, I will follow. You know, when God starts to just prepare your heart, and we had no idea, and you've heard the story. We don't need to rehash all this story. We, did, we didn't know that we were about to ha- be asked to surrender this promise the Father had given us, or at least a part of it. But it became evident as we went into a renegotiation with the, with the building here. Nothing was coming back, and our oversight team came into town, and they sought the Lord with us for two days, and they shocked us when they came back unified, unanimously. They said, we believe your season at Westport Commons is done. And so we went to prayer with them, shocked, and we began to surrender and pray the same kinds of surrender prayers. And sure enough, with an amazing confirmation, that day, Friday, 543, the email comes in from PlexPod here. And it became crystal clear that they were raising things to a place that that wasn't going to be possible. But what was amazing was that was just the confirmation of what God had already said that in those two days. So we began to really surrender at that point. For the last five months, I think it was about two, three weeks later, November 11th, we told the family and I was undone in tears as I saw the faith come back from this family. And I said, what's encouraged me is God has always been miraculously faithful to us and this people has always been filled with faith to go on the journey. That's the only two things that have given me confidence for the last five months. As God has created a crucible of waiting, of trusting, and of surrendering. I wanted David to just share for just, just a minute about our team process. Yeah, as Adam described the last five months, when you know, the Holy Spirit brings such a significant change and alteration to what we imagined, seven years waiting and anticipating moving in here, all things co-working and being a part of the city in all the spheres, and for that to change so dramatically and so quickly— um, it's where we found the beauty and the sacred nature of team in a way that has, has, uh, has totally impacted my view, my experience of team, and also changed the fabric of our team. And it's done so because of the necessity of honesty, the necessity of shared dependency. So 
we've come every Tuesday, which is when our core team meets, and we get around a silly round table that we took from the old building, and we open up the first portion of those meetings with what, what is God saying? What are you feeling? What's your, what's your like worst fear in this moment? We're a culture that celebrates full transparency, full honesty. It's why I get to come up here and do goofy announcements and it, I'm released to be myself. There's no putting on props. We are the same people in every setting, every time, maybe to a fault, clearly in announcements, maybe to a fault. There is so much liberty and freedom, it's, it's unbelievable. So I bring back a report from those times that it's much the same. Some days are filled with faith. Some days are filled with, oh, dear God, what in the heck is happening? Cannot see but six inches in front of our face. And that's a little intimidating. That's a little overwhelming. Uh, but I bring a report that the team is filled with peace that passes understanding, uh, that every time as we process honestly and openly that we come back to a bedrock of not only do we have a shepherd, we have a good shepherd. We have a good shepherd. And it's not like that, that whole concept of who he is as a leader obviously gets pressed when you need to be led, like really need to be led because... Uh, as Adam's going to share here in a second, like what we can do in and of ourselves is just hitting wall after wall. Uh, we felt uh, specifically over this morning in the communication of this morning, our, poly- our, our typical pattern is for the whole team because we're a team who leads the church to share these pieces, but we just felt uniquely given the content and the storyline for Adam just to carry it and share freely the duration. So um, Adam, please do so. Amen. Let's give a hand for the, the one and only. So that table and these five months have been waiting and trusting and surrendering. There would be points, a few, several, I remember where Sean or Katie or someone would be like, I'm just fine, you know, I, I, I feel total peace, this is an adventure. And man, I remember for a number of weeks, I was in agony in my soul. And, and the Lord comforted me in that place. He said, when I was in Gethsemane, and I don't mean by any stretch of the imagination to, to pattern these five months to Gethsemane, but it's one of the places you can learn in Scripture. He said, Adam in Gethsemane, I had all the answers and I still sweat blood. How do you reconcile that? I could have counseled myself through these five months. I knew the right answer at every moment. But do you know God creates situations for us that no matter if you know the right answer, you're not getting out of the pressure of your soul because it is designed to bring you to crushing place where you say, not my will, but yours be done. Even when you know the answers, you will sweat blood and you will need someone to minister to you and you will need your friends there to pray with you. And they won't understand what you're going through, but they will be there with you. God creates circumstances that you can't get out of. It is his kindness as a father. So the nature of these five months has been, what will you not surrender for my glory? 
uh, test. Living in the fog, Julie had a dream early on. It's, it's an epic dream. It would take 15 minutes to tell it. But the crescendo moment in the dream is we're all seeing in a fog. And then one of the leaders goes, look, there's a cloud in the middle of the fog. And, and, and in the dream, he says, look, it's in the shape of a hand. The sovereign hand of God is in this process. Through this testing, the one thing we go back to is there is a cloud and it is the sovereign hand of God in the middle of the fog. We don't know what we're doing. And so what won't you surrender? I, I've written down just, and literally every one of these questions is like a painful moment out of my journal. I could tell a story with everyone and everyone in the core team and many of you, as we've waited on the Lord, I could tell stories, but I'm just going to read these questions of surrender, okay? Will we surrender our need to know? Man, that one's intense. Will we surrender our need to know? Will we surrender our personal opinions to wait in team? Will we surrender our deepest desires and best ideas for God's best desires and best ideas? Will we surrender our vision of success and our fear of failure? Will we surrender our ability to shepherd this family for God's ability to shepherd this family? Will we surrender our reputation and what people think of us? Will we surrender having a place to gather or not having a place to gather? Will we surrender our timing, our control, and how we think this should go? Will we surrender security, comfort, convenience, and everything else that we cling to? There was a moment not so many weeks ago, we were hanging out in prayer in our usual process, and I just felt almost this impression, this question come back from the Father, this sense. My sense was, you're waiting for a thing. And I'm waiting for you to surrender everything. You're waiting for a thing. I'm waiting for you. You're waiting for a miracle. And I'm waiting for you. And I am making disciples of you. It was an impression deep in my heart. What is your exceeding reward in this? Am I your exceeding reward? Coming into here, we said, don't send us without your presence. Thankfully, he didn't. But the question is, what is your greatest treasure? Is it me or anything else? And it's kind of always the question of following Jesus, I think. I remember seeing that phrase in early October Whatever you say, wherever you go, Lamb of God, we will follow. You know, God actually takes you seriously when you pray prayers like that. There was this guy in Scripture, in Luke chapter 9, 
he comes to Jesus and he goes, I want to follow you wherever you go. And Jesus looks back at him and he says, great. Foxes have holes. The birds of the air have nests, but I'm homeless. Come follow me. just wasn't expecting that when I prayed that cool prayer, Jesus. I don't want to do it anymore, the, the man said. There was a crowd Jesus is speaking through to about following him. He said this, Luke 9, 23 through 25. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Man, this These five months, I think, have been such a great lesson of what my whole life is to be about. Every day, dying with him to live. Every day, meeting him in the pressure of my soul. Every day, denying what I want so I can follow him. He didn't say, that's just for seasons when you're really going through it. He said, to follow me, that's how we live. I just missed the plot somehow. It's wonderful news to follow Jesus. For whoever would save his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. What does it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose himself? This has been one of the deep lessons of this season. Can you hear them taunting Jesus on the cross? Is that God's will for you? Save yourself. Every point on this journey has been the temptation for us to birth an Ishmael, to figure out a way to hit the eject button out of the trial and out of the test and save ourselves. If Jesus would have done that, none of us would have been forgiven, none of us would have been freed, and none of us would have lived in family with him forever. But he did not do that because he won the battle in a garden. He said, not my will, but yours be done. And so when that voice came over and over, he's hanging on the cross, which was the father's will for him in that moment. And he goes, I refuse to save myself. And he turns death into joy. We can never look at it the same again for the joy set before him. He says, will you drink the cup of surrender with me? Will you drink this cup? And he turns this place of sacrifice into joy. One of my favorite all-time lines from any worship song is from Jason Upton. He sings this line. This is no sacrifice. Here's my life. No matter what we can give, it is absolutely paling in comparison to what we get. He is no fool, said one great missionary saint, who gives what he can't hold on to to get back what he can never lose. Right? He is no fool who gives what he can't hold on to anyways to gain what he can never lose eternally. This is no sacrifice Here's my life. 
How could we even call it a sacrifice? The Apostle Paul goes, listen, I lost everything for Christ, and I consider it all a huge heap of rubbish that I may gain knowing the Lord. The surpassing greatness of knowing you and fellowshipping with you in your surrender and sacrifice and suffering. To know the Lord is our joy. Amen? So he turns what is the worst thing into the greatest moment of joy. And can't you see a rich young ruler walking up to Jesus? And Jesus goes, hey man, and it says in the scripture, he looked at him and he was sad. He wasn't sad because he was about to disappoint Jesus. He was sad because he knew that this guy was going to miss out on eternal joy in every way. And Jesus says, I want all your security. I want all your comfort. Leave all your riches and come follow me. And it says the man walked away with his head down. Peter saw that moment. It's recorded in Mark 10 and in Luke and in Matthew. And Peter was like, listen, dude. He looks at Jesus. He goes, "Uh, but we've given our homes. We've given everything to follow you. And so this is a moment in the scripture where you realize Jesus doesn't just ask for it all so that you can be miserable. Jesus has something greater in his heart, a greater joy both in this life and the life to come. Can I read these words to you in Mark 10? This is amazing. He says, this is to Peter. Remember, we've left our home. We've left everything. Jesus says, truly I say to you, there's no one who's left a house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or lands for my sake or the gospel who will not receive a hundredfold now in this time. Houses, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and lands with persecutions. There's the bonus round. You, you think you can outgive me? Like, I got everything. And he says eternal life. Peter's like, man, we've given everything up. He's like, I got you, man. We're good. It's going to be okay. And you got me. This has been the moment, right? Surrender. It's brought us back to thinking about two significant prophetic dreams in the beginning of our story. I had two dreams and two nights that actually imprinted us in the foundation of the first couple of months of this church. Really gave us the strength to plant it six, seven months later. The first night... I had an epic dream of us losing a building. Go figure. And I was weeping because I really saw so many dreams happening in that little dumb building. I wanted it. God had promised it. And I woke up. I was physically crying. I said, why are you taking it away? You just gave it to us. The miracle just happened four months ago. You're taking it in four months. And he did. He took it in four months. And when I woke up and I was physically crying, God said, Adam, Why are you crying? I'm like, because you're taking the building. He said, the church is a people, not a building. Don't cry. 
The church is a people, not a building. That word went into the very foundation stones that, that Sean just shared about. It went deep. The church is a people, not a building. A, chur- a church that is a family that lives like Acts 2 on mission everywhere we go, house to house, becoming the people of God, growing and bringing Christ to the world. The next night I had a second dream. I was in that same building he was about to take away. The building was called the Shepherd Center. In the, bil- in the dream, my friend looks at me in the eyes and he says, you're the shepherd like Ezekiel 34. I wake up. I mean, anyone have Ezekiel 34 memorized off by heart, you know? Only Tim Gustafson because this is what he does every single day. I had no idea what Ezekiel 34 was. So I look it up and man, was it, I was on my face. It's a rebuke to the shepherds of Israel. He said, there were sick people. You didn't heal them or bind them up. Those who were weak, you didn't strengthen them. Those who were strays, you did not go bring them home. And those who were lost, you did not pursue and seek them out. So I myself will become that shepherd. And we find that out in John chapter 10. I knew that we weren't only called to be not a building, but a people, but a people that was a shepherd center for the city. A people that loved the city and loved the weak and the sick and those who had gone astray and those who felt lost in their life. Those are the two words from the beginning. And I thought about our name, Nava. It means home. And we have learned that God is our home. So wherever we go, we are at home and we bring home. Wherever we go, wherever we are, the presence of God is our home. And I wept yesterday when I was preparing this, thinking about this moment. That he had given us a name to be at home and at rest with God and then to bring home wherever we go. To bring those home who don't feel at home and literally to bring God who is our home wherever we go. The church is a people, not a building. And wherever home goes, wherever the presence of God is, there is beauty that is coming out of it and restoring. I believe this is a time for us to take our name. I believe it's a time for us to actually receive our name that we will bring home and make beautiful wherever. I believe he's inviting us to take our name in a new way. And that he's excited about it. The first uh, use of Nava, many of you will know, is, is Moses coming through the Red Sea. Two million former slaves standing there with all of their enemies gone. Their slavery drowned. And Moses cries out, Nava, in that place. It's a word of praise that he uses as he's about to follow God, the shepherd, through the wilderness. That is where that word comes from. It's, it's the bring home and make beautiful. And I've been camping out through our daily Bible reading in some of Israel's journey. Thinking about how they camped out at Sinai for a year. And God was establishing them as a people in all of life. 
They were being ordered by families all around the the presence of God. They were being organized to be mobilized. Their values were being made clear. He was establishing them through the Ten Commandments and showing them in all of life, not just the sacred parts, how do they live life in the presence of God around the presence of God. They were being numbered strategically in their clans so they could move out with the Lord into whatever he was calling them to. They were being asked to follow the cloud wherever the cloud would go. If it rested to rest, if it moved to move, this would not be their form forever. They were headed into a land to be permanent and and to be established, but they would never be the same people after walking through that journey that God had for them. I was thinking about the book of Acts is so similar to that. It's just in a new context. They were being formed into families, but not just in tents, house to house. And they were being ordered and gathered around now the values of not just the Ten Commandments, but the gospel and the apostles' teaching. And instead of just the the presence of God in a tabernacle, they were being gathered around Jesus, who said he was present every time they gathered in the prayers. And the fire came down, not on a mountain, but it came down on their heads. And now they weren't to follow a cloud on the outside. They were to follow the Holy Spirit on the inside that was directing them in unison together. It was a a people moving by the presence of God, following the Holy Spirit house to house, seeing Jesus worshipped and exalted. I think there's so many lessons inside of this story. We've been considering this whole season, you know, what what does God have for us? What is the the way forward? And uh, there's this language we're using, the, the Nava ecosystem. And this is the part where we, probably that you're all waiting for, like, where is he going? Why is he talking so much about surrender? Because that's the moment we're in, surrender. But some things have started to become clear for us as we've gone. And I wish I had time to to look into every one of these pieces, but the top three, homes, regions, and communities. This has been, from day one, the call of the Lord on this house. To be a people, not a building. We have been sowing since our very beginning, into the prayerful family on mission expression of the church. It, as we've often said, it lives sacrificially, even though it reads romantically. It lives every day in all of life. And I really believe the Lord is speaking to us about our homes. What if our homes were the place, our households were the place where we walked and followed Jesus and taught our children to grow up in a new way? The children are in here this morning because I believe we're to leave them a different legacy of what it means to be the church. And maybe we won't get there by the time we all die, but I am praying they don't inherit the same story that we inherited. I'm praying that they believe with all of their heart that the church is a family on mission in everyday life. And that our homes are where the gravity of the kingdom lives. And and when households come together, they form into communities. We call them missional communities and connect communities. They're acts to expressions of the church. 
And I really believe this. I said this months ago. Actually, the week we were, this transition began, I preached on this. The devil is not terrified of a disorganized, unempowered, unequipped, lonely group of individuals. The kingdom of darkness shudders at the thought of an equipped, ordered, organized people where everyone has a place to belong and knows who they're with, as Sean and Laura have described, and is meaningly fit as living stones. The enemy is terrified because the kingdom of God will advance when the body is coordinated like that. And so we're dreaming. We've been working for years, but specifically in the last year, that the Lord would fit rightly every single living stone into the family of God, where you are living in a knowable-sized group, worshiping the Lord, living out family, and going on mission to bring the kingdom, where you're supported in your calling. We've been doing this journey into regions, and the purpose of the regions was to form teams that would do two things. Number one, would shepherd all those who haven't found that kind of community or don't know where their place is. We wanted those teams to shepherd and encourage and start new communities. But also in those teams are coaches. Coaches that would coach the leadership teams of those communities to keep them accountable, to pray for them, to encourage them, to equip them so that we could see Jesus' disciple-making mission in the city. Some have asked, are these autonomous church plants? No, they're not. They're regions to encourage the house-to-house, house-of-prayer movement in Kansas City. We want to see that. Homes, communities, regions. We're committed practically to providing resources through coaching, but also resources when you meet in your homes like we did last Sunday when there was snow. On the weeks we're not all gathered together, we want to encourage and equip and resource your home life in every way to do and live the kingdom, to welcome people to your table, to be the church. Amen? This is the heart of the Lord. It's a reformation. We've pursued it all our days, but the Lord has taken us seriously. The bottom parts of the Nava ecosystem, I'm going to save gatherings for last, hubs. What does that mean? Well, we feel we need places of training, equipping, and prayer for the homes and the community leaders and the people in this body. And so God has been stirring a storyline that's in the process of giving us a hub for training, equipping, and resourcing. I didn't say for gathering yet. Training, equipping, resources, But it's a story in the making. But we feel in the meantime, the Lord has given us a home, literally a physical home, about a quarter of a mile from here that we can move into for the next season to train, equip, and for prayer. It's a hub to resource our missional communities and our connect communities. It's not a large house, but it's a beautiful setting for the next season that we can office, we can counsel, we can train, we can equip. And so it's just really close to here. And it's nice for us because we've sewn into this place for a decade and a half now. So eventually there may be hubs in many of the regions that can resource the house-to-house movement that God has. I'm going to get to the gatherings now. I know you're all waiting for that, and we're going to run out of time, and I want to worship in the end. Is it okay if we go a little over today? Is it? Okay. We're going to go a little bit over because we wanted to really make space.
for the Cardwells this morning. All right, you're probably all waiting, like, when is he going to tell us where we're all meeting together? You excited? <laughs> I think this is the piece that God has left suspended in mystery for five months, radically on purpose. I think he's left it suspended, number one, because it's a valuable piece. And number two, because it's sometimes become too dear and too precious in an out-of-balance way amongst the church. It's a, it's a piece that he's left in mystery on purpose to get to our hearts. I want to tell you a little bit of the journey of walking this part of it out. Early on, we did a, a family survey asking, how often would you want to gather? If, you know, blank, blank canvas, where would you want to gather? How often? And that family survey was incredibly helpful, and we've weighed it out. We heard back from several hundred people about it. We were kind of surprised how many people said, we don't want to gather every week. But that wasn't conclusive by any means. Some said, please, desperately, like we have to gather every week. And we weighed that out like everything out, and we sat before the Lord with the voice coming from the Lord through the body. But that same voice was on our core team, so you know. We get to our core team table, and some of us felt we needed to gather every single week. And others of us felt we should not gather at all. And, uh, and most of us were somewhere in the middle. And so we waited. Very early on, three dreams came. One was the dream I've referenced of my wife. In a part of that dream was you may not get a realtor. And then Julie and Katie had the same dream on the same night that we were not going to find this gathering spot on our own accord and all of our devices and GPSs to find it did not work. It was going to have to come to us. So what do you do? Don't get a realtor and wait. You wait for leads. Now, do you know how uncomfortable that is to just wait and go, it's going to just appear? So a big lead came in December. It found us. There was literally nothing else. And so we pursued it and pursued it, and it was an absolutely decisive no shut in our face in the middle of January. No more leads. Then some more leads started coming out of you guys from the body. And with everything, we just like, we don't care. We're just submitted. You can tell us anything anywhere. I'll just tell you one of those. Someone said, look into the schools of Kansas City. This is how ridiculous it is. We emailed the school district 31 schools. Not one school is taking an opening. Boom, decisive door closed. How are you doing? <laughs> there was a few more venues in Leeds. Everyone decisively shut. So here we are a few weeks out, and we're going, okay. What are you saying to us through this? We're not going to go make it happen. We refuse to birth an Ishmael. God, what are you doing? What are you saying? 
And so we're wondering before the Lord. A few churches, I think out of like, oh my gosh, what would we want done for us? Which shows the incredible generosity in the church of Kansas City and the relationships I've built over many years, came and said, oh, poor little Nava. Not exactly, but like, you can come stay at our house. Like, and I'm like, thank you. You know, like, we could have probably found a space, but man, we're so honored, but we're not just looking for like a get by building. Like, that's not this journey we're on. But like, man, I, w- I was undone by some of the invitations because they were deep and they were real. So we took it to the Lord and surrendered. And Numbers chapter 9 came back to us out of the daily reading. Some of you who read Numbers 9 recently know what I'm talking about. This idea sparked in our core team. It was one of the first times the fog cleared. It said, whenever the cloud would move, they were commanded to move with it. Whenever it rested, they were to rest with it. It was a fire by night, a cloud by day. They were to go with the cloud. And they were to stay sometimes a few days, sometimes a month, sometimes many months. And we were like, oh no, you're not serious. And this word came back from our oversight from the very beginning of the journey. Someone mentioned it in the core team. Don't you remember when they prophesied we would be nomadic? And I said, no, I rejected that in the name of Jesus. (laughs) So we got on our faces, nomadic Nava for a season. What are you saying? We're going to wander? Why? What does it even mean? How do you do that with children? He's like, well, I took 2 million people on that journey. I'm pretty okay with 500. I'm like, nobody's, this is what? So we brought it to the citywide prayer team that I'm on. And they began to speak back into us. What if you went, what if this journey was for you as Nava, but also for the city? I was like, Gary, talk me out of this. Have you ever heard of a church even doing this? He's like, no, I, I, quite frankly, I haven't. <laughs> I was like, oh, man. So we went back to prayer and asking the Lord, like, what are you saying here, God? And he said, I want to do something in you, and I want to do something through you in the regions of the city. He said, what if for a season you gathered by the invitation of the hungry hearts of the city who invited you to come because the cloud was on them and you as a whole people followed the cloud to them and you prayed and worshipped in that place? I was like, you are kidding me. This is, the, this is it? This is the crescendo? Oh, man. You're excited? Okay. You are crazier than I thought. Okay. So, I think there's a purpose in us and a purpose through us, but I really don't know the full extent of it, man. Like, I think in us, God is trying to give us a heart for the city for real 
If we're to be a people, not a building, and a shepherd sitting for the city, like how do you have a heart for the city unless you go and you see her and you love her and you touch and you, you're with, right? And so I think there's something. He's, he's connecting us to the city. There's something that's going to happen for the regions where your communities are. And we're not promising we're going to go to every region. We don't know how long we're going or how long we're staying or exactly where the cloud's moving. There have been some radical invitations. I'm talking leaders filled with the Spirit who have said, come to us. And we're like, Lord, we don't know yet. But not one of those is crystal clear yet, and we're about to go into a three-day fast tomorrow. Will you join us? So we're not going to go unless there's a clear invitation of welcome. And, and, and I just want to be a little bit more practical. There's a whole ecosystem up here, but I believe God has something he wants to do through us as well. Where is that? It's not. Oh, there it is. I want to be a little more practical. I think this is the moment for full surrender, but this is our, our greatest sense of what it looks like. This says Sunday gathering. We think we still need a time for us to be Nava, especially in this wild ride. And, and so the best we can see it right now, and we'll be clearer and clearer as we get clearer and clearer, but is that on first and third Sundays, we'll all be gathered in another church's building in a region that very likely makes no reasonable sense to us and that we wouldn't have chosen if we were to be strategic about where to gather all these people from seven region. On the first and third Sundays, and we, this is a place of surrender, it'll likely be the afternoon because... We're not going to displace another community out of their morning spot. First and third Sundays, we'll likely be gathering for Nava in that place. But when we're there, we will be interceding for the Holy Spirit to break out in that region. And we will be worshiping and praying as well as building up this local family. On the second and fourth Sundays... Homes and communities. And why we said not just communities, but homes is some of you aren't yet in communities. About 40% actually. But you have strong relationships and you know how to disciple and you know how to gather in your homes and maybe they'll turn into communities at some point. But, but on those second and fourth, we want to provide resources that you can meet in your homes on those Sundays to gather together. The communities will meet other times and have their rhythms of prayer and family and mission. But on those second and fourth Sundays, we're encouraging everyone to gather, to gather together with someone else. And why is this thing, this once a month city prayer gathering? Citywide prayer has said, could we partner with Nava and literally in the name of 24-7 to catalyze regional Worship and prayer events across the city unto God's purposes of revival in Kansas City. And they said, you're crazy for wanting to do this, but we're willing to join you guys. So 
on those times, we're thinking once a month, we would be worshiping and praying, inviting our whole Nava family to intercede for the breaking out of God's kingdom in Kansas City. This is the best we understand about the Nava ecosystem and about a new monthly gathering rhythm. I want to go for another five, seven minutes and I know we're way over, but Cutter, would you, are you up? I want to, I want you to just come sing a bit. And um, so I feel like the response this morning is, is pretty straightforward. Um, I mean, I want to do this all together. And I would have never written this story flat out. Like, everything in me has wanted to save myself from this moment until this moment. But I believe the new wineskin isn't a building or a form or a, I believe it is a whole family with a fully surrendered heart to follow the cloud. I, I do. And I don't say that because we tried our hardest and couldn't find a building. We could have found a building. Like, I refuse to do anything that Jesus isn't saying. And even if you don't have the grace to make this journey, I pray that the rest of your life you're marked by a bunch of foolish leaders who just wouldn't do anything but what Jesus was saying. Like, it is nuts. But I believe it is not for destruction, but for the absolute glory of God that we surrender all. And it's no sacrifice. He already died on a cross. What I want to see, I did not sign up to be a pastor or have a cool building or get a salary, and I've considered losing all those things. I signed up, especially the first three years when I didn't get paid, to bring the kingdom of heaven into the earth with a family. That is all that we have ever wanted and is all we want this moment. And so the simple invitation is, will you be the new wineskin fully surrendered to God? That might mean for you coming up here and laying down before the Lord with your children. That might mean going on your knees. That might mean raising your hands. Whatever posture it looks like this morning to say, in my individual life, in my household, and with this crazy weird people called Nava, I surrender everything to you, Jesus, that you may be worshipped forever. That's the moment we're in. So I invite you to respond for the next few minutes, however the Lord leads. And we're going to sing new wine together because it's where a weeping man and his song started this crazy ride, okay? So however you want to respond, I leave that up to you and the Lord. I am honored, honored on behalf of the core team to walk with a people like this. I love you so much. Thank you for allowing me to share this morning.